The point is this. Don't desire anything more than what God desires for you. If God requires all of you to Him, all of your house, all of your children, all of your possession, all of your bank savings, be willing to surrender all, then you are a disciple. To come to that level of discipleship, that faith, you have to be built up by the Word of God. That's why Jesus says, continue in my word, then you are my disciple indeed. The Father and the Lord Jesus Christ will come to us and make his abode with us. That is true discipleship, where the master and the disciple stay together. Dear brethren, please turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Jesus says, If ye continue in my word, ye are my disciples indeed. A while ago, when we meditated on the words of Jesus Christ found in Luke 14, 28 to 33. We saw that Jesus made it that plain to everyone it is, that it is impossible for anyone to come without counting the cost, which is absolute surrender of all things for the sake of Christ. Surrender to the point you give up everything. You make no claim on anything that you possess today as dear to yourself. You make a complete break from all things that you have been attached to, including close relations which is a matter I think we need to think very carefully, which we do, God willing, in the coming days. But for now, you need to accept the fact that a true disciple has nothing to hold on to except Christ, because he is asked to give up everything. Now, yesterday, I have labored in the word to tell you that There are all kinds of disciples in the Bible. There are disciples who have nothing to do with Christ, like the disciples of the Pharisees. There are, there are disciples of John the Baptizer. Many of them followed Jesus, as we know. In the Gospel of John, we see Andrew, the brother of Peter, was a disciple of John the Baptizer when he heard John the Baptizer saying, pointing to Jesus, this is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He left John the baptizer and followed Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon Peter to Christ. And then Philip came, Philip brought Nathaniel to him. And so we saw that those who were disciples of John the baptizer actually followed Christ. Not all, but most of them. We later on realized when Apostle Paul was visiting the city of Ephesus, he met, us, met some disciples. 
And they were the disciples of John the Baptist, but they have not heard about Jesus yet. So when Paul expounded to them, Jesus Christ, the Messiah has come, they believed and they became followers of Jesus Christ. So there were some disciples who belonged to John the Baptizer who turned to Christ, but the Pharisaical uh, missionary of discipleship never turned people to Christ. <clears throat> what we also know, there were people who enlisted themselves without the call of Christ to follow him. They came on their terms. They wanted to receive material blessings, healings, food, and other benefits they could get. They were never willing to take Christ at his word. And that's why Jesus said to that great multitude, as we saw in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, that if you want to come to me, then you stop all other relations, all other attachments, all other things that you count dear to bother you. Let me be your guide. Let me be your master. Follow me. Forsake all. Follow me. That's the price one had to pay. Forsake all. Everything had to be surrendered. Christ alone. Whatsoever you need in life, Christ will provide. Jesus said, in another place like Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And now what is the kingdom of God without the king? The king is Jesus Christ. Only when Jesus rule, there is kingdom. If you want to be part of Christ's kingdom, Christ alone must rule. You are not the ruler. You are a subject in that kingdom of Jesus Christ. So when you seek the kingdom of God, you seek the will of God. And you don't have to worry about anything. All these things will be taken care of. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. How clear are those words of Christ? So the path of discipleship is the path determined by the words of Christ. That is our subject now. And that is well concisely stated by Jesus Christ in John chapter 8, verse 31. So let's get there and consider that saying of Jesus. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Indeed, well, that speaks of discipleship in truth. Uh, not just disciples who pretend to be disciples, but genuine disciples, disciples indeed. So how to be true disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, obviously, uh, when Jesus used the word disciple, as I mentioned yesterday, use a Greek word which is mathetes. Now, mathetes in Greek primarily refers to a learner, one who is willing to learn. 
learn from the master. He follows the teaching of his spiritual leader. And that's what they do. Uh, if you remember, once Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So anybody who come to Jesus Christ for rest for their souls, in other words, freedom from the curse and the terror of sin, must come to him to take his yoke. The yoke, the, the yoke is a wooden instrument that farmers uh, use to plow the land. It is somewhat like the letter T, the horizontal line uh, will be placed, the, the wooden plank, which is the horizontal one, will be placed on the neck of the beast, whether it's oxen or bullo, I mean, buffalo or donkey, whatever they use. They put that horizontal beam of the yoke on the neck of the animal. And then the vertical one in the middle will be lowered down to the ground. It will have a sharp edge at the end point. And sometimes at that point, uh, the farmers would have uh, another vertical, uh, uh, vertical uh, beam of wood or metal which they used to press down. So the sharp part of it will make uh, deep furrow in the land and thus they plow the land. Now we, so the yoke is really a picture of submission. A yoke on the, sh on the neck of the animal make the animal a servant to the farmer. And the, the animal cannot move left or right as it desires. The animal is under total control of the farmer who placed his yoke on him. A disciple who come to Jesus Christ, a Christian who comes for salvation and rest to his soul, rest for his soul, never comes to ask for what he wants, but ask, come and ask the master, Master, you take control of my life. I take, I ask for nothing except that you receive me in mercy. I'm not worthy. I have nothing to give to you. I have to give up everything I have because they are all useless. I'm nothing. Would you receive me and put your yoke on me? And Jesus said, don't fear about this. Come. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, my yoke, let it be upon you. You take it and put upon your neck and learn of me. Listen to my voice. And I teach you what direction to move when to move, how to move, where to stop, and I will put pressure on your neck as you drag this yoke forward. But that pressure will never be to destroy you, for I am meek and lowly in heart. When you obey me, you shall find your rest. So you see, dear friends, true, true disciples are constant learners. They learn God's will, the Savior's will, 
and the divine Savior and Lord Jesus Christ take complete control of their thoughts, of their desires, of their pursuits in life. True Christians are not those who seek Christ on Sunday and forget Him from Monday to Saturday. True Christians are not those who say, when I come to church and do things in the church, I follow Jesus, but the rest of the time, I do what I want. I will have my friends, I will go where I want, I will entertain myself with whatever my heart desires. Well, then you are not a Christian. You cannot serve God and Mammon. If you are a true Christian, you can only have Christ to rule your heart and mind and life. And He rules even your relations, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your spouse, relationship with your children, all are determined by God. Your parents do not have any authority over you which is greater than the authority of Christ over you. You're supposed to honor your father and mother, but if your father and mother requires you to obey them more than Jesus Christ, you got to tell them, Daddy and Mommy, I love you and I love to take care of you but I cannot do those things you said, which is against the Lord Jesus' will. I will not obey you on this matter because it is disobedience to God. You must be able to tell your spouse, look, my dear, God gave you to me and I love you as God expect me to love, but not a bit more than Jesus Christ, my Savior. What you just told me is turning me away from my God's, my Lord's voice. Stop it. You won't have me to do that for you. You follow me as I follow Christ. And you say that to your children. Children, listen. God gave you to me. I'm only a steward of God in bringing you up. I cannot, as a steward of God, allow you to do ungodly things. And it is not my duty to make you big and great in this world. My only duty is to bring you up for the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to buy you things that you want which are not godly. I'm not going to take you to places of entertainment which are ungodly. I bring you up because I have a duty to your Creator. But many Christian parents act as though they are the creators of the children. They take possession of the kids and they bring up the children for their pride. What a shame. Dear friends, the problem in the church today from pastorship to the youngest member in the church is that we have cultivated a non-discipleship crowd of disciples, a non-existent discipleship. I don't know how to put this in words, but I suppose you understand what I'm trying to say. That there exists no or very little discipleship in churches today. Every man comes to church for his own purposes, not doing the will of God. 
And that's where John 8, 31 that we just read comes with great force into our hearts. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, he has no business with the rest. And he says to the Jews who believed on him, these are Christians, okay? And he says to the Christians, the believing Jews, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. In other words, disciples have to be continually abiding in God's word. They must abide continually. It's not like you check in and check out in a, in a hotel. You like the hotel room, very nice, beautiful, provided for you all things for your pleasure, your entertainment, and you wish that's your house, but that you are there for only, uh, maybe you are there for only a few days, or a week, or a month, you're out. You can't come to God's word like checking in and checking out as you like. You must continue therein. This is your home. This is your dwelling place. Under the shadow of the Almighty. In His word you abide. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. If you have a habit of having a revival for two days when you have church camp, and after that you forsake everything that you heard, you have been taught, then you are not a disciple. So dear friends, think deeply about this. If you are a true disciple, if you are a true mathetes, a true learner of Jesus Christ, everything you entertain in your mind, everything you cherish in your life has to be placed under the supervision and guidance of the Holy Word that Jesus has given us in this book. That's the test of your faith. If your faith is real, if you have savingly trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, then you see, my dear friends, you will continue in both faith and obedience to His Word. Here Jesus is not talking about becoming a disciple, but he is seeing about the condition or the nature of those who are true disciples, those who have already become disciples. You see, Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish believers. They are already believers. So Jesus said, as believers, you are expected to be disciples. You cannot be believers and non-disciples. If you are believers, you have to be my disciples. And that's true faith. Believers are disciples, and they abide as disciples. Continued interest to learn and to obey His Word characterizes 
the disciples, the disciples. And that's the path of discipleship. The path of believers, the path of true followers of Christ is a path set forward by the words of Jesus Christ. You can check a few passages with me now and all of these passages will clearly tell you there is no way any of us can ever follow Jesus Christ Christ forward without having a deep commitment to his word to obey and fulfill the will of our master through the obedience of God's word would you turn your Bibles now forward to chapter 14 of the Gospel of John we are in Gospel of John chapter 8 and we please come with me to chapter 14 verse 15 what what do you read there Jesus says, if you love me, right, keep my commandments. There's no other way. If you are a true lover of Jesus Christ, if you truly love your master, Lord Jesus Christ, you have to keep his commandments. Of course, if you don't know what are his commandments, you don't know how to obey. So you need to know to keep his commandments. Now look at verse 21 of the same chapter, John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. A true disciple of Jesus Christ will have more and more opportunity to know Jesus his faithfulness, his goodness in his life because he's following Jesus and sometimes Jesus might take you through hard times, difficult times. After all, you have to give up everything and follow him. You remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus Christ and he said, what shall I do to have eternal life? Jesus said to him, basically, do all that the commandment says. And there's a reason why Jesus said that because this guy claimed that he obeyed the commandments from his childhood and he thinks he's a perfect righteous guy and so Jesus in order to expose the fallacy of his thinking about himself that he is a perfect keeper of the law said well why don't you do one thing sell everything you have give it to the poor and follow me he was stunned he was sad when he heard what Jesus said Actually, he should be rejoicing to hear what Jesus said. But he was devastated. He had great wealth. And he loved his wealth. And Jesus said, very simply, sell these things that you have been cherishing. All of it. Don't keep anything for yourself. Sell it. Sell them. And then take all that money you get. So all, sell all your assets, take the funds, money, and give to the poor ones. Let them be a little bit more comfortable. He didn't say give everything to your nephew or give everything to your brother. But he said give to the poor. Feed them, in other words. And then, having given all the things you have, I'm going to give you myself. You follow me. 
That's what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, sell everything and try your, uh, you know, as people say, try your luck. See whether you survive. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you follow me. You listen to me and I will reveal my goodness and all that I am to you. You have myself for you. But because that rich young ruler loved his money more than God, even his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, he went away sorrowful. The man had great wealth, but he went away sorrowful. The reason is he was unwilling to love Jesus and take his word as the greatest wealth. He refused to take Jesus at his word. He wanted to cherish whatsoever things he cherished all his life. Jesus never said that Jesus would abandon him as a poor man. Jesus said, no, your wealth is preventing you from following me. So you give that up and take me, follow me, and I will be your shepherd. I will be your Lord. I will take care of you. But the man thought Jesus is not <clears throat> as exciting, as, as enthralling as the wealth he has. So he denied Jesus and went back to his wealth. That's how many of you are today. Your money, your position, your fame, your name means a great deal to you. And so the word of God is secondary. And it, I must say, is the problem of so many people who even come to full-time ministry. They want to serve. They want to be pastors. You know, there are some people who fail in everything. They want to be pastors. But nothing wrong if God make you fail in everything and direct your path to become a pastor. That's good. Fine. No problem. There are such people who made it very, very, uh, or shall I say, glorious, very commendable in the service of God after failing miserably in their business, in their work, and other pursuits. But when you come to follow Jesus, you must remember something. You are coming to a Savior whose words are purer than gold, much more desirable valuable than all the precious things of this world. And so Jesus said to these believing Jews, listen to me, you cannot have the world and me in your heart at the same time. You must forsake the world and take my word. And so Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciple. And that's exactly what we are reading right now in John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. So your love for Jesus can never be real until you follow his words. That's the real nature and proof of discipleship. And then he continues, he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. So you have an eternal lover in Christ and also in the father. 
Whatsoever the son loveth, the father loveth. Whatsoever the father loveth, the son loveth. They are in such mutual love and union. And when you love Jesus and his words, Jesus promises that he will be your loving master. Anyone who obeys Jesus and abandons everything in the world for the obedience of his word would have the love, the perfect love, the agape divine love of Christ perfectly measured out to them, to him. Dear brethren, I testify to you after 30 years of serving the Lord as a preacher, I have not finished with my enjoyment of God's love for me. There is much more to learn. And I'm so glad that the Lord taught me to love Him and love His Word. I do not care for myself and I shouldn't. If I care for myself, I cannot love God and His Word. Because I'll be so concerned. A while ago I mentioned that there are people who come into the full-time ministry. The moment they come into the ministry, they are thinking, how much am I getting? How much will they pay me? How long should I work? Why others work so little and why I am working more? Why don't have, I have more rest? There are some who come into the church to serve and the first question they ask, what's my salary? Some others say, oh, salary is not a problem. How many days off can I have in a week? Then they will ask, will I have a sabbatical leave? Meaning to say, after seven years, can I take a break one year of paid leave? You know, their mind is in all kinds of places. And they are not fascinated by the offer of serving the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. Why should we have a break from it? Isn't it wonderful to follow Jesus? But you may say, well, but I will get tired, isn't it? <coughs> I may feel a bit bored, right? Yeah, you may feel tired, but I don't think you'll get bored in studying God's word and preaching. If you're a true lover of Jesus Christ, and if you are a true lover of his word, there is no boredom in the ministry. There is absolutely no boredom. I don't have to take a break to go for a walk to, to feel very great in the ministry. Well, I do go for a walk, not because I'm bored, because my doctor says I must walk and sweat a bit so I will not be too sick. Now, I never take a break from the ministry. I'm not saying this to show off, but really, really that's my experience. I don't go for holidays. I don't go for fishing. I don't play golf for one whole week or one whole day. No, I used to play cricket a lot when I was a young boy, a teenager. And some of you know, some, if it's not one day cricket game, it can be a test cricket, which can last for five days. And I used to play all this in my teenage days. But after becoming a, a real follower of Christ in serving the Lord full time, these things never excited me. I have pastor, pastor friends who would call me, hey, Koshi, would you like to go for a fishing trip? We, we booked a boat and there are five of us, we can take one more. Let's go out in the open sea for, 
for a few days, relax and be pastors, have, have a fellowship. No, man, I don't have time for all this. I really don't have time. There's so, so many things to do. So many sermons to preach. <laughs> Not to glorify what I do, but the grace and the joy that God gives when we serve Him is so great, my dear brothers. It is not for money that we serve God. Money is not an issue to God. He is the king of this earth. All the gold mines belong to him. If he wants to feed me, of course, it doesn't take all the wealth that God needs. I don't need all of that. I don't eat so much anyway. How much do I need to eat? How much do I need to feed my family? Now, even if I work very hard, well, I may bring, and I bring home a lot of money, my children may waste it. What I want is that my children will have a sanctified mind, not a huge bank account. If, it, if they have a sanctified mind, I'm sure they will not only work hard, they will also manage their funds well for the glory of God. Otherwise, I will have... A, bunch of very greedy, worldly, materialistic children who will be a heartache and headache for every, every minute. When my children were born, I prayed together with my wife that they will serve the Lord full time. That's all. I wanted, I desperately wanted to see my children serve God. But I knew it is not my choice, it's God's choice. But when God stirred my heart to give them to the Lord, I, devo I devoted all the three to the Lord. I'm very glad by the grace of God, the Lord called the first one and the last one. First one is serving with me in Gethsemane, BP Church here in Singapore, Cornelius Koshi. I think he spoke to the youths in Melbourne recently because your pastor in the session invited him. And then my last one is a daughter and she is serving the Lord in India. She is married to a missionary now and they are part of our church ministry in India and they are serving there. And I have a middle one, it's a boy, he's about to finish his studies in the university. My prayer is that the Lord would lead him to serve God. That's good enough. I'm not worried about anything in this world because my Savior has promised, if I seek him and my children seek him, God will take care of them. I'm not saying every one of us must be in the full-time ministry, but the point is this. Don't desire anything more than what God desires for you. If God requires all of you to Him, all of your house, all of your children, all of your possession, all of your bank savings, be willing to surrender all, then you are a disciple. To come to that level of discipleship, that faith, you have to be built up by the Word of God. That's why Jesus says, continue in my word, then you are my disciple indeed. If you are taking in the worldly wisdom, you cannot be one who is assured of God's love. Since we are in John 14, may I invite you to read verses 23 and 24 as well. John 14 verses 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Look at that. Repeatedly, repeatedly, Jesus says this. If a man loves me, 
He will keep my words and my father will love him. Oh, how wonderful. The father will love a man who will keep his word. Then he goes on to say, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. The father and the son, the father and the Lord Jesus Christ will come to us and make his abode with us. That is true discipleship, where the master and the disciple stay together. You may not have a mansion to live on this earth. You may not even have a hut to claim for yourself. You may be living in rented homes. You may move from house to house because you can't afford to pay the rental. But dear friends, you'll be so surprised that even though you have nothing because God required all of it, He would still take care of you. My experiences in life and ministry goes, took me through all these kind of experiences in life. Before the Lord gave me a house, my two children were born. I was living in different rendered homes. I lived in as many as six different homes before the Lord gave me a small flat. But the Lord was good. He took care of me. I'm not complaining about this. I'm just saying, God looked after me. He gave me always what is necessary, though I had nothing. And I'm still willing to give whatever God will, because I found that I can never care for me as beautifully and as amazingly as God does. To follow my Savior and His words is to enjoy the goodness of our Heavenly Father, who is the source of all, all good things. And Jesus promises that there. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ in the real sense of the word, a learner, one who gives himself to obey God's word completely, fully, continually, is to be loved by Jesus and his Father incessantly. And he will come and make his abode with us. Verse 24, he that loveth me not, he, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. So watch that. If you say you love Jesus and do not keep his word, then that simply means your claim of loving Jesus is false. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. So Jesus says, look, these things that I said, that if you don't, if you loveth me not, you don't keep my words, it's not my own words, it's the Father's word. In other words, God the Father, with all his sovereign authority, speaks through the Son and tells you, there is no better way to know the love of God than being a true disciple who is obedient to his word.
Would you please come with me to the next chapter of John, John 15. Jesus continue with these words. John 15 and verse 10. If you keep my commandments, Jesus says, John 15, 10. Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If you want to be a true disciple loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Master, then keep his commandments. Look at verse 14 of John 15. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. How clear is this demand of Christ? And he says the path that you as a true believer, as a true disciple should follow, is the path that my, I have set in my word. You follow my guide. Like when you are driving into a place that is unfamiliar to you. In these days you follow Google Map or some other uh, app in your mobile phone uh, or in your car uh, that shows you the direction. And once you have confidence in that map that you have, you can follow whatever it tells you. When it says turn right, you would turn right. And then they will tell you in about 200 meters, uh, there will be a fork road and you take the one on the left. So you, instead of turning right, you keep to the left and you follow that. And then it will say, take a U-turn and after you turn in 50 meters, turn to the left. And then you take the U-turn at the next available uh, place and you turn completely and keep to the left and you take the side road after 50 meters and that brings you to the place. You don't know anything because you have never been there, you have no idea. You follow what the map says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He knows everything about you. He knows all about your life. You can trust him. And the Bible, this is far better than the Google map you have. This is sure guide. You follow the words of Jesus. He will never leave you. He will love you all through your life. He will be with you. He will make his abode with you and guide you step by step that your life be filled with the beauty, the truth, the holiness of God. And you will be free, free from the misery of sin. You'll be free from all the evilness of this world's wisdom. May I, as I conclude this message, turn you back to John chapter 8. We started with John 8, 31, where Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Now look at verse 32. Jesus added these words, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Yes, the truth of Jesus Christ in his word shall make you free from all 
errors, all sins, and all the shame and horrible consequences of your sins. Self-belief will destroy you. World fascination in your heart would misguide you. But your commitment to the truth of Jesus Christ is the path to God's goodness, mercy. You can say then, like David who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. And at the end, as David said, you can also say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You really can believe this because he's a wonderful master and yours is to now trust and obey. And there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. That's the path of discipleship. You've been listening to Reverend Dr. Prabhudas Koshi from Our Family Camp in 2022. Hopefully this episode has given you or helped you regain some insight into how you can follow Christ the way that he calls you to. Feel free to listen to the complete series on YouTube or on our website. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host Joshua Na, and we'll be back next Wednesday with another message on discipleship, our calling from Christ.